This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. Hey, it's Greg Stanley. If you're listening to this podcast, you know I love everything automotive. This passion has expanded to include being a car specialist consultant for RM Sotheby's. So if you need assistance buying or consigning a collector car at any one of our online or live auctions, including Scottsdale, Amelia Island, or Monterey, you can reach one of our car specialists at rmsotheby's.com or you can email me directly at gstanley at rmsotheby's.com. Hey, it's Greg Stanley. Happy Thanksgiving. Today is Thanksgiving Day and I am hopefully stuffing my face full of turkey as we speak as you listen to this or I'm done. So hopefully you had a great time with family and friends if you do celebrate Thanksgiving. Uh, If not, you're just having a great day. So uh, this is an interesting episode. Uh, I kind of got this idea from some other podcasts out there, un-car related, and I thought, what a fun way to dig into the car world a little bit more. So this is 18 Things You Did Not Know About the Porsche 911. Now, first off, I do want to give a few updates. Our good friend, fellow car enthusiast Jay Leno, had a big issue the other day with a fire and thankfully, he is doing much better. If you're watching this on YouTube, I'll pull up a picture here. As he was being released from the hospital, looks pretty good. A little beat up, but looks pretty good. And since then, I saw a video of him pulling into his garage, uh, driving himself, uh, saying he would be at a comedy club this weekend, I believe. So he's doing great. What was interesting is he drove up there in a 2002 BMW S-Class. Looks like looked like an AMG car with AMG wheels. So... That's not one I have on my list, and there he was driving it, and I would call that a collectible car at this point. So Jay is doing well. Uh, If you would, please share my YouTube channel with your friends, other auto enthusiasts. I'm trying to build that audience up. Uh, I would love some more support there, and I'm trying to do some fun videos every week, not just a podcast with videos, but where I go to visit. was recently at the Las Vegas Concord Elegance. I just did a tour through the New England area, so when I get that thing edited, you will see that, and uh, also was at the Ford Museum recently, so I picked out some of my f- favorite cars uh, from the Ford Museum. I saw my first ever Bugatti Royale. I've been wanting to see one of those forever. Uh, this was one of the six, and it was gifted to the Henry Ford Museum way back in 1958, which is really, really crazy. There was also a really cool Tucker, so uh, yeah, check it out, please. I would appreciate it. Also, if you need some type of consultation Shoot me a note, Greg, at thecollectorcarpodcast.com. There is no cost for a phone call and kind of ballpark what's best for you, whether you're trying to sell a car, whether you're trying to buy a car. I would love to help you out. And like I said, there's no cost to you to just get on the phone and talk about it. So shoot me an email and we can connect that way. All right, so let's talk about Porsches. The first thing I wanted to talk about is a myth that I believed for many years uh, and I found out during this research for this episode that it is actually not true. I was always told, and I've actually read articles about it, concerning the placement of the ignition key in a 911. Now, for those of you who don't know, it is on the left side of the steering wheel, which always seems to be kind of an odd place to put it. And the reason being is it would, I was told it harkened back to the days of racing at Le Mans, that back in the day, I'll pull up a picture here, uh, racers would run to their cars versus already being in their cars. And so they would run to their cars and the thought process was they would have their key out in their hand, they open the door, 
they put the key in the ignition as they're quickly getting into the car. So they can basically start the car up as they're getting into the car. Uh, turns out that's not true. And this is from a Wall Street Journal article that I found when I was researching this. And they actually interviewed someone uh, that was in the factory at the time that they were making these cars. Per the Wall Street Journal, in the early post-war period, when the company amounted to a mere handful of men hammering and, hammering and welding in an old sawmill, electrical wire was scarce. Putting the switch on the left saved a little bit of wire, a little bit of money, Mr. Bischoff said, maybe 200 grams. So the reason that the ignition is on the left-hand side is not because of the racing heritage of Porsche, but it is because of the length of wire. Just trying to save a few grams here and there, and they might have saved 200 grams worth of wire. So uh, that is a new one for me. The other thing I wanted to bring up is, is it Porsche or Porsche? Now, I don't think I'm gonna solve this by my statement here. Uh, so if you're wondering, I've been saying Porsche my whole life until recently. And I was told that it's actually Porsche because it is based on the way the family's name is pronounced in German. So apparently, technically, it should be Porsche. If you talk to anyone at the museum who, or who work for Porsche, they will tell you that. Now, I kind of push back on that a little bit. I am going to say it that way as much as possible, but I'm going to push back on that a little bit because in theory, if you're saying it because that's the way the family name was said, you can't say Ferrari. You would also have to say Ferrari, which I'm not going to do that. I mean, come on. Uh, I'm just not going to do that. And then I, I didn't have a German reference because I've never been to Germany, but I've been to Italy a lot. And so I pulled up this Italian reference. If you go to Italy and you look on the Italian maps, Rome is not Rome. Milan is not Milan. Rome is Roma. Milan is Milano. So if you're going to prescribe to the, you need to say it this way because that's the way it's said in said country or because of the family name. You need to say Roma. You need to say Milano. You need to say Ferrari. I'm not going to do any of those three, <laughs> but I am going to do my best to say Porsche. Now, from the interviews I've seen, Jay Leno says Porsche. Bruce Canepa says Porsche. So if it's good enough for Bruce and Jay, say whatever you want. No stones will be thrown from this side of it, this side of the microphone. All right. So we're going to go on to number three, the third fact you might not be aware of uh, from the Porsche world. So Porsches are basically available in unlimited colors. Now, there is an asterisk to that. I did want to do a little bit of a deep dive into the PTS world, that's the paint to sample world. And so online I've picked, I've pulled up this article. Now per, uh, let's see, per total 911 article, there are 105 Porsche colors called individual colors. Colors from the, from the Porsche past, like signal yellow and Viper green. Now these are colors that customers can specifically order as part of the paint to sample program. Now, if you go to the website, ptsexplorer.com, which is a fantastic website, I highly recommend you check this sucker out. I've pulled it up here now. You can see a 911 rotating. And as you pick different paint to sample colors, uh, the car actually changes with you. So you can really kind of go through the reds, the orange, the yellows, the greens, the blues, the purples, the browns, the whites, the blacks, the grays, the silvers. You can look at all of these on this website. And you can even pick a GT2 RS 
as well as an SUV. So it's pretty cool website. Now I actually went through this entire website and pulled out a lot of these colors. And here are the facts. On the PTS Explorer, there are 303 colors you can configure. There are 59 silvers, that's the most by far. Uh, that goes from Agate to Zermatt Silver Metallic. There are 51 reds. There are 47 greens. There are, let's see, 35 whites, 28 yellows, 26 blues, 22 browns, 13 oranges, 11 blacks, and 11 purples. So it's very fascinating. I mean, some of these, this one purple I just pulled up almost looks like a white, but it's called Moonstone. Very interesting. <clears throat> What's also cool is on this website, you can pull up the different color of rims you can get. You can get alloy. You can get Arum, which is a satin gloss black. Uh, you can get them in black, uh, chrome. You can get them painted blue, painted red, as well as satin platinum. So you can configure all of these and like kind of make a wild and crazy Porsche from a color perspective. It's a very, very cool website. I highly recommend you check it out. Now, another really cool website about uh, PTS colors for Porsches is the PCA-sponsored site, Renbo.org. Now, on Renbo, you can upload your Porsche picture, and you can link it, link your pictures to your paint color, which I thought was brilliant. So I've got this pulled up now. Currently, they show there are over 611 colors across all Porsche models and almost 11,000 pictures <clears throat> are uploaded to the site. So I've got the blues pulled up right now, and if I, let's see, I, I'm gonna pull out Bahama Blue. I click on that, and then it pulls up any of the cars that are that color where the user, it looks like we only have one user on this one, that pulled up, uh, and it shows you that that was available on 911s from 1974 to 1975, and the color code is 354. So you can go to your paint buddy and uh, have him work it up. So I just pulled up Alaska Blue Metallic. That was available on 914s from 1973 to 1974. And again, the color code. So really cool site. Uh, now, if you wanted to, I guess my next question was for myself, well, how much does it cost to do a paint to sample paint job? So currently, if it's a basic, quote unquote, basic 911, it's $11,430 to $12,830. So that's how much it costs to get one of these special paint jobs on your Porsche to make it truly special and probably one of a kind, but not guaranteed to be one of a kind. Now the paint, the sample plus is for the GT cars. Now that costs almost $26,000 to get that special color on your Porsche GT3, GT2, whatever it might be. Uh, let's see. Now, one, one thing else you can do, and I'll pull up the website here, is you can have your own color submitted. And if you have your own color submitted, they will work on seeing if it's possible to actually make that color. So that's why I said, you know, basically you can have any color you want. Uh, the, the issue with that is if they come back and they say, hey, we can't do it, not the issue. Thankfully, they will refund your money. If they can't do it, uh, they will cover the cost of testing. Now, the cost to do this one-of-one, one, your own special paint color, is anywhere from $23,000 to $26,000. So a lot of money there for a cool option, though. All right, number four on our 18 facts you might not have known about the Porsche 911. The Porsche 911 was originally called the 901. Now, I know a lot of you will pro probably know this, 
and uh, good for you. That means you're a very well-educated Porsche fan. So uh, let's see. Here I have uh, stated that, in fact, 81 models were already built before the car's name was changed to the 911. The reason behind the change was complaints from Peugeot, given the French car manufacturer's legal right to three-digit model names containing a zero in the middle. With this in mind, Porsche could either sell the model with a whole new name in France or slightly alter the 901's name so it became the 911. Now, if you know a lot about 901s, you're probably a big fan. There's like a lot of differences between the 901 and the 911, just little tiny factory changes that were made. And so if people are into 901s, they are really into 901s. Uh, I actually have a friend of mine. He's got four 901 brochures that were released back in 1964. And why four? Well, he as he got one and he would see another one at a swap meet, he noticed slight variations. So he got all four that he's aware of, variations of the Porsche 901 brochures. Now, if you're interested in those, last time I talked to him, they were for sale. I want to say he was asking around $1,100 for all four. But if you are interested, shoot me a note, Greg, at thecollectorcarpodcast.com, and I will see if they're still available. Now, what's kind of funny is that Peugeot, as far as I can tell, never used anything like the number 901. So I've pulled up a, a spreadsheet here, and basically from 1960 to 1969, the Peugeot models that used a zero in the middle uh, were 204, 404, 504, 304, 403, and 203. That's not confusing at all. Uh, they never used a 901 or anything of the like, which I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, the other thing about 901s is this is pretty funny, is I there might be one close to me. I was in the uh, local Home Depot parking lot. I had my little 996, 911, and I noticed a husband and his wife, he was looking at it, uh, kind of checking it out, and I started talking to him, and he made a comment about, oh, I've got a 901. Oh, no, he said, I've got a 1964 911, uh, and he said, I, you know, it's kind of a basket case. I need to totally restore it. And surprisingly, his wife like totally scoffed at him, like, yeah, right, you'll never get that thing working. At the time, I didn't realize the significance of a 1964 911. And if I did realize that at the time, I would have asked to see it. So I uh, haven't been able to track it down since. So I'm hoping that's true, and I'm hoping it's close by, and I'm hoping I can find out who that guy was in the parking lot of the Home Depot. So more to come. Something else you might not know about Porsche 901 is that the oldest Porsche in the world, the oldest Porsche 911 in the world is red, and it is affectionately called the number 57. Now, it's my understanding this is in the Porsche Museum. All right, now this is from Motor Trend. In a way, number 57, as it's affectionately, affectionately known around the official Porsche Museum, is the first 911, or at least among the first handful to complete to be completed as 911s. Porsche was finishing construction of it at the Porsche factory on the day the company acceded to Peugeot's trademark claim on the 901 name and changed the new 2 plus 2 sports car designate, designation to 911. So this was the day that they changed it. It's the day that this car was built. All right, here we go. The special thing about this vehicle is that it was produced on the evening of October 22nd, 1964, said Alexander Klein, head of vehicle management at the Porsche Museum. This was the exact day on which Ferry Porsche gave the instruction 
to rename all models built up to this point from the Porsche 901 to 911. So whether it's the very first 911, it's within probably the first 10 or whatever, because they actually made these 901s into 911s that evening. That's really, really cool. So the fun fact there is the very first Porsche 911, it was red, at least the, the first one that's known. All right, next, number six, something you might not realize is that there was one Porsche 901 convertible built. I've got the picture here. RM Sotheby sold this car back in 2017. At the time, it sold for 650,000 euros, which I don't know what that would be today. Uh, pretty cool car though. So chassis number 13360 is the only open top 901 Cabriolet prototype ever built and the second earliest surviving 901. That it exists at all today is largely due to good fortune as almost all of the 13 factory 901 prototype coupes built in 1963 and 1964 were either destroyed or parted out as their usefulness passed. Uh, very cool. All right, the next fun fact is that the Porsche 911 is only made in the Stuttgart, Germany factory, and they make about 110 911 models a day. Now that fact is about a year old. I would assume it's about the same production figure. All right, number eight. Let's see. On May 2017, Porsche built the one millionth 911. Now this is a very cool car. An Irish green Carrera S was built for the celebration and it's a permanent exhibit at the Porsche Museum. It's funny because there's at least three cars here that I'm mentioning that are at the museum. I know the very last car I'm gonna mention is currently at the museum. Uh, let's see, so it took Porsche 54 years to sell its millionth 911. Now, if you listen to this podcast at all, you know that I'm a Mustang Shelby guy. And I was wondering how long did it take the Ford Mustang to, <laughs> to make its millionth car? So it took Porsche 54 years. It took Ford just 23 months to sell its millionth Mustang. Now, obviously mega difference between those two cars. The reason I own a 911 right now is because when I sold my 66 Mustang convertible, I wanted the opposite driving experience and I thought a Porsche would do it. <laughs> and boy, was I right. Uh, and I love it. I absolutely love my little 911. All right, fact number eight. The iconic ducktail spoiler was first seen 50 years ago on the 1972 911 RS and has appeared on a few limited production models since. So there's like the classic model. I believe they're coming up with, you could order one now that has a ducktail spoiler on it. Uh, my little 911, my 996, if you go to Instagram, you'll see at the Collector Car Podcast, I've posted some pictures of mine up there. I put a ducktail spoiler on it. One of the best decisions I've ever made, uh, along with some martini stripes. So it's a great, fun looking little car. All right, number 10. The 911 was almost discontinued in the 1970s. During the 1970s, the plan was to replace the 911 with the new 928. Uh, though because of employee and market outrage, the Porsche CEO decided to keep the 911 and continue to improve it. So I am pulling up a 1995 Porsche 928 GTS on the website right now. This is a beautiful black on black car. It's coming up for sale at RM Sotheby's uh, Miami sale. The estimate on this one is 175 to 225. This is a stellar example. These prices have really gone through the roof lately. Uh, we had a record price at our Monterey sale. I forgot the number, but it was over $300,000. It was actually double 
the highest price ever paid for a 928. Uh, and they're beautiful cars. I have fond memories of these uh, just from growing up and uh, at least being alive <laughs> when they were launched. All right, the next fact, number 11. This one's really this one's really striking. There's actually two facts I could pull out of this one. Not all 911s are rear-engined. So think about that for a moment. What 911 would you say would be not rear-engined? I'll give you a hint. It's not front-engined. Uh, that doesn't exist as far as I know from a 911 perspective. All right, so the answer is is kind of a controversial car, at least in my eyes. Uh, let's see, the first Porsche to have a mid-mounted engine instead of a rear-mounted engine was the 1997 Porsche 911 GT1. Now, I pulled up another picture where Arms Sotheby's sold one of these back in August of 2012. Uh, it sold for about $1.2 million back then. You know, I would bet you could multiply that by 10 today. I, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see if this car, it's just one of the rare cars from that period. I mean, they had a McLaren at the time. The Mercedes at that time are all trading for crazy numbers because they didn't really make many of them. Uh, I believe they made 25 of these. All right, here we go. 544 horsepower, twin turbocharged, dual overhead cam, horizontally opposed six-cylinder engine. Now, if you're looking on YouTube, I will pull up a picture so you can see how this engine is placed well ahead of the rear axle, which is why it is not a rear engine. It is a mid-mounted engine. All right, per arm, Sotheby's, the resulting first-generation 911 GT1 race car debuted at the 1996 24-hour Le Mans to great effect with the two works cars finishing second and third overall in first and second in class. Very cool car. I don't know that I would call it attractive, uh, it's just kind of odd looking. Some parts of it look a little tacked on. Um, some angles, it does look attractive. Uh, the other fun fact, let's see. Oh, here we go. The so-called street versions or Stratvin versions feature some minimal modifications from the Evo race car, including a higher ride position for improved ground clearance, a slightly softer suspension, more practical road-going gear ratios, and a milder state of tune for the engine. Most obvious difference lay in the interior, which featured upholstered sports seats and carpeting and a trimmed dashboard borrowed from the 993 Platform 911. So there's your second fun fact, I'd like to say. What 996, with the fried egg headlights, what, what 996 era Porsche 911 had a 993 dashboard? It's the only one, apparently. So... Uh, that's kind of cool. Our, our next fact, for a while, there was a twin of the 911 called the 912 that was supposed to be an entry-level version that continued until the proven success of the 911. So if you've seen a 912, looks exactly exterior-wise to a 911, but it has a nice little punchy four-cylinder in it. For the record, I would love to have a 912 or an era that era 911. All right, next. The 911 was stemmed from the Volkswagen Beetle. Many of you know this, but just to reiterate, both cars were designed by the same person, Ferdinand Porsche, Porsche. In fact, the Beetle was built as an affordable car for the masses upon the request of Hitler himself, the people's car. A while later in 1963, the very first 911 used many of the Beetle's components, such as its rounded coupe design and an air-cooled air rear-mounted engine. All right, the next one is fun. Let's see, here we go. 
despite, this is number 14, despite being low slung, rear engined, a low slung rear engine sports car, the 911s have had immense success in the sport of rallying. The 2.7 Carrera RS Sport won the Cirque of Ireland in 1973. Uh, let's see. Perhaps the largest win for Porsche was the 1978 Monte Carlo Rally in a private 911 SC. Now to quote Ferry Porsche, the 911 is the only car you could drive on an African safari or at Le Mans to the theater or through New York, New York City traffic. Very, very cool. Now I've, there's a big thing going on right now with safari Porsches where they make them off-roading. I honestly love that. <laughs> I think they're so cool. I think they're probably, it'd be like the perfect car. I mean, you go flying around as fast as you want and you don't have to worry about the speed bumps. Well, Porsche is launching a new one called the Dakar, just, just announced in the last few weeks. Now, these start at $222,000, 473 horsepower, 3.2 seconds, 0 to 60 miles per hour. Uh, let's see. Per Porsche, whether on tarmac, gravel, or sand, the stiffer engine mounts of the 911 GT3 increase the driving dynamics of the 911 Dakar, especially when driving off-road. So uh, that's going to be really interesting to see. Um, I think it's really cool. I mean, I can't wait to see one in person. I would love to drive one of those. All right, next up, let's see. The Porsche. Here we go. The Porsche 911 was designed, design was updated five times in five decades. From the first 911 that rolled off production line in 1964 to the all new 2020 model, Porsche's most popular model has been updated a total of five times throughout its history, making up six generations, each more popular than previous. Now, fun fact is that there were six generations of speedsters built, but only five of them were 911s. So I've got some of the speedsters pulled up here. The very first one was not a 911. It was based on the 356. Those were built from 1954 to 1959. And then we had the 1989 911G uh, G model. Uh, then we had the 1992 964 version. Uh, then we had the 1995-993 version. That's a pretty good looking one. They, usually the rear end looks fairly big on these. Uh, 2010, we had the 997 version. That's just about my favorite. If it weren't for the 1990, or 2019 911, the 991 version, that is my favorite one. The most recent one is absolutely stunning. As I travel and visit collectors, uh, a few of them have all all six of these. You know, they have them in a line. It's a cool way to represent the entire Porsche brand by having all six speedsters, including the original 356, uh, in their collection. Really, really cool. All right, fact number 16. Is that right? Wow, I'm flying through this. All right, number 16. Porsche had to scrap the headlight design introduced in 1999, which my car has. So in 1999, the 911 got an update that didn't quite resonate with car enthusiasts. The main issue was that the 996 featured a front end identical to that of the Porsche Boxster. Uh, which was considered a budget alternative and didn't carry the same significance as the 911. Porsche soon realized this, and for the model year 2005, the 911 was returned to its original roots, once again featuring smaller, rounded headlights. So I agree uh, that they're, eh, they're not great looking, uh, but no one complained about how these cars drove, and they drove great. 
Um, I'm trying to find a picture on this website now and all the pictures are not from the front. So <laughs> I am glad they switched back to the oval headlights. I do think that looks better, but I love my little 996. I like to call it the $15,000 discount. Uh, just because people don't like the headlights doesn't mean it's not an incredible car. So you know what? Uh, get Love the 996s why you can because they're going up in price like crazy. All right, next. Uh, this includes some fun facts. In 2011, about 90% of the Porsche 911 was new or completely redesigned. So that was a huge year for transition uh, with the 911. So it was more technologically different than any other 911 before it. The car was almost entirely redesigned and re-engineered. It featured a full aluminum chassis, a more powerful engine lineup, the famous PDK transmission, and heaps of advanced tech, such as torque vectoring systems and electromechanical power steering that reduces fuel consumption. A just beautiful car. I absolutely love what they did uh, to the Porsche for 2011. Now, as I was looking into this, I came up with some other f fun facts. Uh, as of 2021, for every one two-door model that Porsche has sold, that would be the 718 line or the 911 line, Porsche sold four four-door models, so four to one. 80% of Porsche's sales are four-door models. That is just absolutely insane. The, the number one Porsche model sold in 2021 was the Macan, representing 35.3% of Porsche's total sales. I would love to have one of those. I think that is one of the best-looking sport utes ever built. Now, this is interesting. 6.1%. That's the percent of cars sold that were either the 718 or the Panamera, which really surprised me. Not so much the Panamera, but the 718. I would have thought those sales would have been higher because you have the Boxster and you have the Cayman. I don't think they're called those anymore. But only 6.1%, whereas the 911 was 14.3%. Anyways, interesting fun facts. All right, let's see. Our last fact, number 18, is the fact that the first person to ever drive a turbo Porsche was Ferry Porsche's sister, Louise. She was given the 911 Turbo number one for her 70th birthday in 1974. Now, I've got some pictures pulled up here. This was a really cool 911. Now, again, this one's in the museum. I would actually love to see this car because it was given to her on her 70th birthday. And there's a couple of things she wanted that were different. So she did not want the Porsche script on the back. I'm sorry, she did not want the turbo script on the back. And so it says Carrera. She also did not, she wanted a full red plaid interior, which I've pulled up on the website now. Full red, red plaid interior, I absolutely love. And then for the side script on the rocker panels outside, she didn't want it to say Carrera. And so instead it says Porsche, but it, behind it is, is like this red plaid design. So the exterior uh, striping matches the interior and it's a silver car with this red plaid interior. So I absolutely love what she did to this car. I would love to see this in person. I just want this red plaid interior in my car. I think it is super cool. So, well, that's it for this week. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Please share, please subscribe, please rate. And I will talk to all of you next week. Thanks for listening to the Collector Car Podcast. Don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes and be sure to follow us on Instagram and everywhere else at the Collector Car Podcast.